Hey, Truth, we're in part three of our series, The Ten. The Ten is a series about the Ten Commandments with a twist. We're going in reverse. We're starting with number 10 and we're making our way all the way to commandment number one. And these commandments weren't given. God didn't give us these commandments so that we can make God happy. They were given for our best interest in mind so we can begin to live a life that is fulfilling today. And so we can also reflect His goodness in wherever we, wherever we go and all those around us. And with the being mothers there, I was thinking about an amazing story about my mum and some of the lessons she taught me growing up and connected with this commandment. When I was about four years of age, I remember being down at the, if you, if you know where Mangare is, and there's this town center in this, at the heart of Mangare called the Mangare Town Center. I mean, we, we would go there every single week and do our grocery shopping. And then you'll go to, you know, back in, I don't know if where you live or where we live, um, our taxi stand. There were, we used to have these huge queues of people waiting to catch a taxi, right? And these days, you know, you go to the taxi queues, there's taxis queuing up waiting for people. It used to be the other way around when we were growing up. And so, but I remember we're in, we're in Food Town. Remember Food Town? <laughs> we're in Food Town. And I remember I saw this chocolate. And I was like, Mom, 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 I want a chocolate. And like every good parent, what do you say? No. Right? No. And I was like, what? And so as she was looking somewhere else, I took it anyway. Put it in my pocket. Because I had, I had, you know, as this four-year-old kid. And I remember then we walked in the middle of the town center. She sat down in the middle of the town center. She's having her rest. And this one I thought, she said, Mom, I want to go to the toilet. Can I go to the toilet? And she goes, yeah, yeah, go to the toilet. You know, because, you know, back in those days, you were four years old. You could walk off by yourself. And so and so what I did, I ran, they used to have these, we've got these pillars in the manga to town. I hid behind one of these pillars and I got my chocolate out. And I said, I can eat my chocolate, my reward for this, for the great work that I just did. And I ate this chocolate and I got rid of all the evidence. And, and, and then I thought I needed to dispose of, the, of, of, of this last piece of evidence. I went, threw it on the ground. And then, then I went back to my mom. I'm, I'm only four years old. Okay. I walked back to my mom and I'm really happy, full of joy. And then this is what my mom says to me. Where did you get that chocolate? I was going, what, what chocolate? She goes, the chocolate that's all over your face. <laughs> now, my wife can, can attest to this, that uh, when I've got an eating problem. For whatever reason, food ends up all over my face. Seriously, I'm not, you know, oh, yeah, you're only four years old. Here I am today in, in my 40s. And maybe my late 40s, in my, in my later 40s. And I've still got food all over my face. Does anybody have that same problem? Like, I've got thing, food on my cheeks. I don't have, and what, what Porter's like, oh my goodness, you know, I have to always wipe my, he says, why do you have food all over your face? And I goes, oh, so I can eat it later. But anyway, anyway, my mom goes, the chocolate all in your face. So right there in the middle of the town center, she began to give me the biggest whooping in the middle of the town. She's just going to town like, bang. And like, seriously, my legs were flying in the air, going back. It was like, like we're going on this little ride here, right? This is the good old days, right? The good old days when, when you go to the town center and you watch a mum lose it on their kid. Right? You can't, that's today, it's not good. And you're and like, oh my gosh, hell, hell, that's terrible. You know, that's far better than saying to your kids, you've stolen something and don't saying anything at all, right? Because I learned something that day that there is consequences if you steal. As a four-year-old, I learned this valuable lesson. <laughs> and that's... I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to say that we should bring, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting into that discussion, although there is some biblical precedent to it. But anyway, I'm not going to go there today. So here we go. We're doing this, this countdown. Number 10 is 
do not covet. Number nine is do not testify falsely. And number eight, do not steal, right? Exodus 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. Otherwise, you're going to get a whooping by your mum. That's what's going to happen to you. Yeah. So, uh, so you shall not steal. To, to steal is to take something that belongs to another person, right? I think we all know that. All right. And so here's the thing. Why is it when we switch on the news or our social media feeds, what do we see? With, oh, not another Michael Hill jewelry store being robbed in broad daylight. Right? This is what we see. And we see his stories and we see in stories where we could be even there with people coming out of countdown or pack and save, running with groceries, the trolleys full of groceries without paying them, running to their cars. And, and, we, and of course, the, the ram raids has just become normal now. Right? But it was shocking me first. Now, now we shocking me when it started happening. Now it's like, oh, it's just a ram raid. You know, and, um, and the rise of youth crime. And we were like, why? I mean, why? What's all this? And, and you might be here and you're like, well, that's not me. I don't do that. So I've, I've got the eighth commandment down. I've got it locked. I've got it unlocked. I'm, I've got this sorted. So, but let me, ask you, let me ask you a question. Have you ever, have you ever called in sick for work? You know what I'm, where we're going with this, right? Have you ever called in sick for work and you weren't sick? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. My kids say that now. I'm not going to school today. It's a mental health day. I'll give you a mental health day. No, anyway. No, I'm very, I'm very nice, Dad. <laughs> right? And it's so funny. We had some we had a conversation around this with friends. Have you ever filed an insurance claim? Right? Claim for something like you like you you may have dented your car, and then say maybe uh, maybe two years later. Someone hits your car on the other side, but you claim for the whole bumper. All right? Yeah, because yeah, it's the whole bumper. Listen, sorry, am I giving too much information about myself here right now? You know, have you, no, I'm, this is in general, just putting it out there. Have you, have, you, have you ever taken office supplies from work? Like, man, look at that printer. That's, you know, they won't miss one of these, you know, like, or taking a pen or, or something like this. And, or, or um, gee, what, what is everyone looking at me for? This guy's bad. Like, can't believe it. You know, is it, or, or have you ever neglected to pay off a legitimate debt? You borrowed money of someone, right? You know, this is what I learned. When my kids come and say, Dad, could I borrow some money? They don't mean borrow. Because borrow means you'll pay back. <laughs> but, but have you borrowed money off someone? You haven't paid them back yet, right? Have, have you... Have you, um, have you borrowed something and you haven't returned it? Right? You know, it's so funny. This is what I've kind of noticed is that when someone borrows something off you, they don't give it back until you ask them for it. Right? It's not when they're finished. Someone said, never lend your books, your books to anyone. You'll never get them back. In fact, the only books I have on my bookshelves are the books I never gave back. Anyway, that's quite... No, I'm not saying that. Someone said this, not me. I didn't say this. Have you ever taken a bathrobe or a towel from a hotel before, right? Have you ever, have you ever parked your car uh, in a park where there's a parking meter, but you didn't put any money in the meter? You think, oh, it won't be long. Two hours later, you come back. And, you, and then you go, please, and you start praying. You start praying for, for God to save you from, from the sin that you've just done. The Lord, I just prayed there's no ticket. Praise God, there's no ticket on my car for where I parked illegally. He answered my prayer. And, uh, you know, you know, have you seen, you know, here's the thing. Many of us violate this eighth commandment on a daily basis, but we don't recognize it as theft. 
we don't recognize that we, we're breaking this commandment. I mean, where does, where does that even come from? The, the eighth commandment speaks to the heart of this issue. And this issue is scarcity. The issue is scarcity. That's the heart of this issue. But here's the thing. Creation is this expression of God's generous love. When God created and he created, created the garden, he, the, he created with this abundance. Where God is the host and us humans, we are the guests. And God invites us to enjoy the abundance of his world, the opportunity to thrive and to enjoy life to the fullest. But here's the thing. This is, this is not the way people experience the world, right? Rather, what do we find in our world? We find scarcity. We find struggle. Certainly not abundance. Since the beginning of the story, humanity has been confronted with a lie. And the lie is this, that what God has given you isn't enough. That God hasn't given you enough. So the snake deceives humanity in Genesis chapter 3 to take for yourself what is rightfully not ours to take. They're like, I'm going to take that. So today we are constantly bombarded with the same message. Scarcity, scarcity means there is not enough. There is not enough. And so we got this, so, and so what we see in today's world is that because there is not enough for everyone, therefore I must prioritize myself and my own at the expense of others. There's not enough, so I'm going to take because I've got to protect my own because there's not enough for everybody because I've got the scarcity mindset. So we either take because we believe we're entitled to it, right? Because if, if, if I am suffering here, I haven't got much, it's obviously because I'm a victim of someone else and they're succeeding over there. That, well, look, Michael Hill, he's obviously he's got his own golf course in Queenstown. He's succeeding, so I'm going to take from him because obviously he has and I need right now. And I'm going to take there and, I, and I'm entitled to it. I need, or maybe I need to hoard as much as I can and I'm not going to be generous because there's not enough. So I'm going to have, and, and so we've overcome with the scarcity mindset. So in Luke chapter 19, verse 1, Jesus encounters a man who, who has a living of taking from others. He's got a living of, of hoarding and just hoard and, and keep and keep and, and, and so that I can look after m m me, myself, and I. Because there's enough, not enough for everyone else. So I'm going to hold it for myself. So, so Jesus encounters this, this man in, in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And um, I'll try to get my big head out of the way, so I'll, I'll move. And, this is, and he says this, he said, And Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Here we go, Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. See, tax collectors were, were Jewish nationals and, and they charged taxes on behalf of the Roman government. It was a lucrative business because you can, you can charge as much as you want just as long as Rome got their share. You can have whatever it is. You can, so, so these tax collectors, they made a lot of money by overcharging everyone and just taking from them. And, and people in the community, they, they hated tax collectors. Because they sold themselves to Rome. They saw them as traitors. And Zacchaeus, he made his fortune at the expense of everyone else. In fact, tax collectors, they were considered lower than sinners. There were sinners, and then, lower, and then beneath the sinners were tax collectors. This is how they viewed tax collectors. They were seen as traitors. They were seen as a crime syndicate. Right? They had this it was organized crime where... And so, in fact, Zacchaeus was, he was a chief of tax collectors, which means he had tax collectors under him. He made money from them who made money from the people. He was like the godfather of this crime syndicate. And, and, and in fact, um, they, they were seen as, um, as, as these outlaws. They could even go, 
They couldn't even go into the temple. They, they weren't welcome within, within society and their, and their families. Their families were embarrassed by them. They go, they were embarrassment to their families. Rabbinic sources consistently aligned Jewish tax collectors with robbers because they made their livelihood by breaking the Eighth Commandment, which is why they weren't welcome in the temple because they were lawbreakers. They lived by breaking the law. And so here we go in verse 3. And so speaking of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, he, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He heard about Jesus. He's, he's heard rumors and, and talk. So he wants to see for himself, who is this guy? Who is this one that they call the son of God? Who, who, who is this guy? But on the count of the crowd, he could not see because he was vertically challenged. Oh, sorry, wrong translation. Because he was smaller stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see. So he, he, he kind of goes out on a limb. I know it's Mother's Day, it's not Father's Day. Kind of shouldn't be breaking these dad jokes. So he goes out on a limb to have a, to see Jesus in, for he was about to pass by. And when Jesus came to the place, he he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Can, can you imagine what's going through Zacchaeus's mind right now? He's like, oh my goodness, this is the guy they call the Son of God. The, the Son of God. Is calling me by name. He called me out of this whole crowd and he's inviting himself to my home. Does he know who I am? This is a home of a traitor. I'm the most hated man in my community. So verse 6, he hurried and he came down and, re and received them joyfully. Verse 7, when they, this talking of the crowd, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. See, everyone knew where Zacchaeus' wealth came from. That everyone knew that their, his wealth came, was, came from their money. That everyone knew that what he had was because they, he had stolen it from them. And everyone knew that they couldn't do anything about it. So, he, so Jesus comes to us. And I, can, I can just imagine the conversation that Jesus is, is having with Zacchaeus in his house. Like, Zacchaeus, tell me. Tell me about what you do. So your tax collector, tell me how that works. And, and, and so you, you, you charge taxes on behalf of Rome? Tell me, are you fair when you do that? And I can just imagine Zacchaeus just pouring his heart out to, to Jesus and, and saying, oh, look, Jesus, I've stolen this money. And before the conversation is over, Zacchaeus is a transformed man. And let's be honest, sometimes, well, let's be honest, there really isn't enough. And, and, you know, and Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the lens of the scripture, through the, through the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't cause of lack of resources. Did you know um, there isn't a lack of resources in the world? So we, uh, we hear about all these famines and these crises in countries right around the world. There's enough resources in the world to, to feed the world three times over. It's not because of lack of resources. And so, so Scripture claims that our scarcity problem isn't because of lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset. And this is our mindset, that God cannot be trusted. Verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and he said, He said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I defrauded anyone for anything, I restore it fourfold. I love this. 
Zacchaeus got to know Jesus. He got to know him. And, and he was, when you get to know Jesus, you get transformed. He transforms you, changes the way you think, changes the way you see things. So what did he do? He, he paid back four times what he stole. And he gave half his belongings to the poor. The act of restitution, giving back something that had been stolen as a biblical, as a biblical principle. So the act of, of restitution shows that we have a repentant heart. That when you come in and, oh my gosh, when God transforms you and you've taken from someone and you realize that you've taken and, and, and well, you've, you've done wrong, it causes you to go and, and, and to make peace with someone. But it also says that I will trust God. I will trust God and, and I do, do not need to hoard. But I can live a life of generosity. See, the, the, the risen Jesus, he, he invites his followers to imitate his life of generosity towards others. Living generously requires a, a, a posture of trust in God. And, that, that's, and that's why we went to live generously is, is to have this posture of trust in God. And it's rooted in this conviction that God has given us all we need. That he's given us all we need. What I have, I've got all that I need. I don't need anymore. He's given it to me. That, and that's when we go from scarcity mindset to abundance mindset. Because when we trust in God, we always have enough. When we trust in God, we always have enough. Verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Since he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The, the ones that, that was excluded from society. Those who, who, who rob stores like Michael Jewelers. Those who take money from other people. That Jesus came for people such as these as well. So now, so here he is, Zacchaeus. He's, he's a tax collector. He's, he's a traitor. A man who has broken every law. An embarrassment to his family. But he had this opportunity to, to approach God, not on the basis of what he's done, regardless of what he's, he did the week before, regardless of what he did in the morning, but on the basis of receiving Jesus. See, every Christian has a past and every sinner has a future. Zacchaeus, it's really interesting, the name Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus means clean, innocent, and pure. That's what Zacchaeus means. It means clean, innocent, and pure, and often it's used in in um, in parallel with this Hebrew word, zedek. Zedek is the word righteousness. This word, right? And it's, so, so clean, innocent, and pure is used in parallel with righteousness. Righteousness, righteousness is a relational word. You cannot use the word relationship void of relationship. So you cannot be. I can't be a righteous man on my own. The only way that I can be righteous is as if I'm in relationship with someone. Because righteousness means to do right by someone. Right? I can't just do right by myself. I have to do right by someone. Do right by my wife. Do right by my children. Do right by my parents. Do right by my employees. Do right by God. And because God is righteous. Because I am righteous because He is righteous. This is what this word Zedek means. Is righteous is a relational word. And it also means that it means that it means that when God says, do not steal, it's an opportunity for you to be righteous, to do right by someone, even if they haven't done right by you. See, the word righteousness, it's, it's about you in relationship with them, not about them. I'm responding to you 
No, I'm responding. I'm going to do right by you, even if you're not doing right by me. So I'm still going to be righteous. You may be unrighteous, but I will still be righteous. And this is what this word means. And I think when Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, I think I really believe Jesus, Jesus uh, he believed that Zacchaeus can live up to his name. That Zacchaeus can be pure. That Zacchaeus can be righteous. And Jesus says the same of you today. When Jesus looks at you, because yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, you've got regrets in your life. But Jesus is here today lovingly pointing his finger at you, saying, I want to meet with you. I want to come to you. I want to come into your home. And I want to come into your life and transform you. And I want to make you pure. This is the invitation that Jesus constantly gives to us. So what does this mean for us? It means we have an opportunity to live a life of righteousness, to do right by people. Regardless of what I've done, regardless of what they've done, I have an opportunity to change right now, to receive Jesus, to be transformed, and to trust that God will supply all my needs. It doesn't mean that I just sit there and hope that someone will come to my rescue. You know what what it does mean? It means that I don't see myself as a victim. It means that I don't see myself, oh, the world owes me. If someone owes me and I've got to take to, to, to get my, it means that that I can do an honest day's work. I can find work. I can do work. And I can slowly get myself out of debt. It, it means that, that I can change my mindset, that I don't have to have the scarcity mindset, but a, but a mindset of abundance. With abundance mindset, that you are generous even with the little that you have. That's what, gener- that's what uh, the abundance mindset says, that you are generous even with the little you have. And you go from taking to giving. Some of the most generous people you will ever meet, you will ever meet don't have much. You don't have to have money to be generous. Because I know some wealthy people, right? They're not generous. And I know some of the, the poorest people I know are the most generous people I know. Because when we trust in God, we will always have enough. When we trust in God, we will always have enough. Generosity is a rebellious act against our society. Because society says, take, there's not enough. By it, we say no to your scarcity mindset and we say yes to Jesus who says we are enough. You have enough. When we realize the depths of God's grace within our lives and we can confidently say, I have everything, therefore I am free to give everything. Did you get that? That when we, conf- when we live by God's grace and it, and it flows through our life, that we can confidently say, I have everything, therefore I am free to give everything. See, generosity isn't about just giving away stuff. That's not what I mean by that. Okay, so I'll just give away stuff. No, 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 that's not what I mean. We, here's the thing. We are tempted to think we'll be happy when we accumulate enough. We'll be happy when I have a lot of stuff. We'll be happy when I have the latest iPhone. We'll be happy when I've paid off my mortgage, right? But the biblical story consistently emphasizes the life we truly desire comes when we give. Not when we consume or when we hoard, right? Have you ever met an unhappy, generous person? I've never met an unhappy, generous person. Never met one at all. Uh, well, maybe myself or my kids keep coming to me for money and I keep giving because I'm generous, but I'm not happy. <laughs> okay, here you go. But seriously, see, once you start giving, you don't want to stop. The eighth commandment is saying, if humans love God and if humans love one another, then there is always enough. That is why we don't need to steal. We don't need to take because we can enjoy God's abundance now. That, that, that God is this abundance 
uh, uh, host with this generous love. And he says to us, humanity who are as guests in this world of fullness, God said, come and enjoy. And when we come with this mindset of abundance, then we begin to live out of this flow. We live with this generous spirit to live in this place of blessing. When we trust in God, we'll always have enough. Come on, let us pray. So, Father, we thank you. And, Lord, we are challenged. And, Lord, I know that I'm challenged even when I'm putting this message together. And there are times when we just, we just take it for granted because I'm owed this and I've done this and therefore I, I, des- I, I'm, I should have this. But, Lord, your word, it holds us accountable. Lord, and it's for our best interest in mind. I pray, Father, may we become generous in the way we see things and generous in the way we, we act and the way we love, generous with love, generous with forgiveness, generous with respect for one another. But we thank you, Lord, that, that your love is so great, that you gave us this amazing gift, who was Jesus Christ, that you loved us so much, and so you gave us a gift, which is yourself, and you stepped into your creation. And on the cross, you died for our sin so that we can have this abundance life today. See, I don't know where you are in this story. I don't know if you, you, you continue to have this scarcity mindset that I don't have enough. Will you receive Jesus today? Jesus who wants to come to your home, who wants to come and transform you. Will you receive and trust in the God who continues to give, that God will supply all my needs? Even when I live in a household and it doesn't seem like I have much, but when God is with me, I've got all that I need. Father, I just pray for people to come to this realization that we need you in our life. That when we put our trust in you, that we'll always have enough. And I don't know where you are with God, and maybe you need to make a commitment to follow him. I don't know if you've fallen out of a relationship, but God will invite you, saying, will you invite me in? Would you invite me to, the, to your home of your heart? Or would you allow me to transform you? So, Father, I'm praying for those making a decision to follow you, making the decision to allow you into to their heart. And, Lord, I just pray for people to continue to have this conversation with you and begin to open up their heart. And I thank you, Lord, as, uh, for what you did for us on the cross that gives us the power to walk away from the scarcity mindset. So thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.